But let's get into today's series. We're in a new series today called Life on Mission. And here's the, here's the reasoning behind this is because we're facing, for a lot of us, teachers, students, everybody, just in general, the fall is a new starting point for a lot of people, okay? Forget starting the year in January. This is like the new kickoff for a lot of people as they enter into a new transition in life, right? Whether it's school, jobs, whatever. So what we're going to talk about is knowing my life mission. Like, how do I know my mission in life, what God wants for me? And having a vision for what's next. And that is very difficult to do. I know that when I start this conversation, a lot of people, when they hear vision and they hear mission, statements in life, all this, it's not as easy as it seems. Knowing God's will, knowing his direction for us, what our mission is in life, it, it can be difficult to understand. Sometimes it's stressful. In fact... The reason that it's so stressful is because life is stressful. Life is difficult. In fact, just a lot of times we just feel overwhelmed, right? Life can just feel so overwhelming that we kind of lose hope to have a good vision or a mission for whatever area in life that we need it, right? Sometimes we can just feel like in those areas in life or just in life in general that we're just trying to avoid the worst, Maybe some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I, I've been there in those places in my life. In fact, I think there are a lot of people that came in today with a burden as they enter into this new fall season. And it's a burden that's so big, sometimes it's hard to see a best-case scenario. And maybe that's you. Honestly, you, you might be saying to yourself, it's hard to focus on the best. What I'm just trying to do is I'm just trying to avoid a major collapse in life or in this area of my life. Like, forget the best case. I'm just trying to avoid the worst case. And we all go through those moments that are just so hard. And what makes it hard is because we can't see. We just can't see. Like, we don't have a vision. We have lost our sight for what is coming next in this area or that area or just in life in general. You know, the scariest times in my life are just those times when I just can't see. You can place me in most situations in life and I'm fine, right? Not scared at all. But if you take away my sight, man, that's a whole other story. And I think a lot of you would agree with this. And I'll give you two examples. I'll give you one example that I know I've given you before, but I'm going to talk about it again because I like talking about it. Uh, roller coasters. How many of y'all love roller coasters? Let me see. Raise your hands. Okay, good. All right. So a long time ago, about 20 years ago, we decided, Shannon and I, were going to take a trip to Sandusky, Ohio to ride the tallest, fastest roller coaster in America. Here's a picture of it. How many of y'all would ride that? Let me see. Raise your hand. Yeah. How many of y'all like, no way, Jose? Okay. All right. So we spent all day at this park, What you probably don't know. I don't think I've ever shared this, but we spent all day there and it rained. So they did not open this ride. Because the car, when it's raining, won't get over the front hump. <laughs> so it's raining. They've got the ride shut down. With 30 minutes left to go, before the park closed, they open it up. Shannon and I are the first in line. We are ready to ride this thing. Even if it doesn't make it over the hump, we're going to ride it. <laughs> we get up to the front. And by this point, we've gotten all these prizes for our little girls. Our girls were real little at this time. So, you know, we always try to give them, give them a prize when we come back home. And so I got these stuffed things in my hands, and I shove them in my pocket before I get on the ride because they finally open it up. And as I'm getting on the ride, the, the attendant looks at me, and he says, you can't put those on the ride. And I said, well, can you hold them? 
And he said, no, I can't hold them. And I said, well, do you have a cubby hole? And he says, no, we don't. So I've got two options. Either I can get out of line and keep the prizes for my girls, okay, and probably not ride because by this time the line is too long. We're not going to have enough time to get on it. Or I can throw away the prizes and ride the ride. Let me see. How many of y'all would keep the prizes and not ride? You'd keep the prizes for your little kids? Let me see. Look at all those good parents out there. How many of y'all are like me? You would trash those prizes and grab life by the horns. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. This was not an option. I didn't even ask Shan. I looked at the prizes, and I just threw them into the crowd, and I looked at Shan, and I said, the girls will be fine, but I will not be. If we don't ride this ride. So we rode that ride, and it made over the hump. I'm still alive here today to share that story with you. But I will not. I will ride the tallest, fastest ride in America, but I will not ride this ride. Do you all know what this is? I will not. <laughs> Somebody's like, Space Mountain? Do you, do you know I won't ride that ride? Because it's dark. It's not high. It's not fast. It's a, but they turn out the lights, and I don't like the darkness. I don't like not seeing Or Maybe the lights weren't working the one day I rode, and then I was like, never riding that again. I'm done. I don't like it. It's too dark. Another thing. Haunted houses. How many of y'all like haunted houses? Let me see. Okay, all right. How many of y'all do not like haunted houses? Yes, okay. There's my people. I, you know why I don't like haunted houses? I'm, I'm fine. I'm not scared of them. I know everybody's just having a good time. But y'all, when they turn out the lights and it's dark and then someone touches me, <laughs> I will lose my mind. I don't like it at all. I don't like when I can't see, right? And I know a lot of you are in that same boat, right? Some of the worst moments in life, honestly, just take this and apply this to our lives. Some of the worst moments are when we just can't see. We just don't have a vision. And that can be terrifying, honestly. Forget roller coasters and haunted houses. This is real life that we're talking about. I talk to people all the time who have lost their vision for their job or for their marriage or for their kids, like they just can't see. They've lost their vision for their family. They've lost their vision for their health. You know, it it could be a lot of different things. One of the most popular verses in the Bible comes from Proverbs 29, 18, and Proverbs fits it this way. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Y'all know this verse. You've heard this verse before, right? Vision is important. In fact, the Hebrew word for vision actually just means dream. Okay, it just means dream. So in other words, you got to have a dream. Like, you got to have a dream for what's next, for your family, for your work, for your struggles. you got to have a vision for what's coming up, for what God wants for us. And if you don't, well, this verse goes on to say that we'll perish, which is kind of dramatic to put it this way. But what that word perish actually means is just life gets out of control. Okay, and you know this, this is how it feels to you sometimes. You'd probably say this sums up my life. Like, I don't have a vision, and so my life feels chaotic. Maybe in an area, or maybe in all of life, right? We just can't see. And sometimes that's hard. For some of us, we might be saying, I I don't see how I'm ever going to get out of debt. 
I don't see how I'm ever going to have a better marriage. I don't see how my family is going to get through this. I don't see how I'm going to approach this next year with all the schedules that we got going on. And this person's doing that. And I got to get this kid over here. And I just don't see. And I am about to lose my mind. You see, <laughs> I think God's got a plan. I think God's got a plan for us in all areas of our life. I think he wants to get you from here to there. And that starts with vision. So as we begin to understand life on mission, like what it means to live out our life with the mission of God, it's going to start with vision. Okay? And, and to help us understand this a little bit more, I want to share a story with you this, this morning of a time that Jesus literally restored someone's sight, went from darkness into light. Now, a few weeks back, we talked about Jesus healing someone's blindness by rubbing mud in his eyes. Y'all may remember that. I want to take you to a different story in the New Testament because, again, I believe that in this story we can really begin to understand how to regain our own vision. Now, before we dive into this, let me give you a little background. The blind man's name in this story is Bartimaeus, and y'all probably remember that name in Scripture. And when this story takes place, Jesus is somewhere in his final week of ministry. Okay, the crowds at this time were enormous. They're following him everywhere. He's making his way out of the city of Jericho, making his way towards the outer gates with this massive crowd around him. And it wasn't uncommon back then to find beggars at the city gates. Okay, and they would beg to everybody who came in and out. And what makes things worse for this man was that he was blind. And a lot of times people would look at that as though God's grace wasn't with you. Because if you were born this way, then that means that maybe God doesn't like you or God doesn't like your, your family or somebody sinned, that there is a problem, so God is punishing you. Obviously, God has something against you. So blindness back then was sometimes also treated as just like spiritual deformity. So it was just really hard on this guy. But practically speaking, they couldn't work, and so they were out there begging and they would just depend on the mercy and the pity of other people when they pass by. So, let's read this story on how Jesus helps blind Bartimaeus. And we're going to read it all the way through. And then we're going to go back and we're going to talk about a couple of portions of it. And if you've got your message notes, we're going to fill in some blanks. Everybody online, we're so glad that you're with us. You can fill out some blanks on the Ridge app as well. But we're going to start in verse 35. It says this. This is Luke 18. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what's happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who led the way, these, these are the people that were in the front of the crowd. These are probably the disciples, maybe even. They rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered this man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? This is a great question. We're going to come back to this. He says, Lord, I want to see. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Okay. When it comes to this story, when it comes to a lot of the miracles Jesus did, I, I don't think that Jesus just did miracles just to help that person, although that was a major benefit, of course. What I think he was also doing was teaching. 
teaching the people around them, teaching us as well. I think sometimes you can look at the miracles of Jesus like a parable. And what I mean by that is that it's teaching us something. And I think that this story teaches us, like it taught blind Bartimaeus how to get his sight back. I think that it teaches us how to get our sight back when it comes to those areas where we need a fresh vision from God. When it comes to how am I supposed to live on mission for you in this area or that area or in my family or in my job or in my school or wherever. So let me walk you through this, how to receive a fresh vision. Number one, write this down, believe. Okay, it starts with believing. I got to believe that Jesus can change my situation. We got to start with hope, y'all. If things are ever going to get better, you got to start with having hope that Jesus is the change that you are looking for, that Jesus can give you a fresh new vision in this area of your life. And this is exactly what happened in this story. Go back to verse 38. It says this, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So imagine this now. There's probably a lot of beggars at this gate. This is where everybody normally sets up camp, right? But there's one guy, one guy that shows out and shouts out above everybody else. Jesus, over here. Jesus, I'm right here. Jesus, come and help me. And I imagine he's making probably a pretty big scene, right? It may have been a little weird. It may have been a little awkward, Kind of like me whenever I know I'm in the presence of a celebrity. Does anybody else get like really awestruck when you're in the presence? No, just me? Okay, well, that's okay. I have actually, there was a celebrity a little while back that I was in the Starbucks. He actually left the Starbucks to get away from me. That's another story. But anyway, I'll go into that another day. But this guy, he realized this is Jesus. And he makes a scene. And it's a big scene. And everybody else hears this outburst and it's probably a little over the top but it shows his hope in what can happen you know if he didn't really believe that jesus could heal him he wouldn't have called out but he knew he knew the answer that he needed was only a few feet away and he wasn't going to miss this opportunity you see i think a lot of the reasons sometimes we lose vision is because we put our hope in the wrong things Right? We cry out to the wrong areas in life. We tend to turn to everything else but God. When things go chaotic and we start to perish, as that verse says, right? we, we start scrambling. And we call out and we cry out here and there and everywhere. We say things, well, if I just focus, if I just focus all my attention on this or, or that, then that will give me the spark I need. And so we try all these different things instead of crying out to Jesus. Honestly, y'all. There's only one source of hope in life. There's only one thing that can bring fulfillment. And it only comes in Jesus. If we put our hope in anything else, we'll be disappointed. It's like we talked about last week. So the first step to getting a vision, to getting a fresh vision in that area of our life is believing. Is I've put my hope in Jesus. The second thing you got to do is you got to ignore the second thing you got to do, you ignore the negative voices around you. Now, surely Bartimaeus knows that if you start shouting for Jesus and making this big scene, it's going to upset people. This is annoying. Nobody likes this. In fact, everybody's telling him to stop it. Jesus is a big deal. Like I said, it's at the end of the ministry. Like big crowds are following him. How, what do you think and why would you think that this guy, Jesus, who's obviously important, is going to stop what he's doing, where he's going to take time to be with you? But this guy yells anyway. Verse 39, it says, those who led the way rebuked him. 
And they told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Not only did he ignore those negative voices around him, but it made him get louder, which I love. Man, I love this guy's drive. I think we can learn something from this, right? And meanwhile, everybody's looking at him going, be quiet. What are you doing? Who do you think you are that Jesus would listen to you? And here's why I bring this up. It's because, this is why this is important. It's because this world, y'all, is so negative. It's so negative. And honestly, that negativity will just try to keep us away from the source of hope that we have in Jesus. And you know what's worse? What's worse than listening to all the negativity around us is listening to that negative voice inside of us sometimes. What's worse is when we let, when we let that neg- negativity get into our brain and try to lead us away. And we start saying those things to ourselves. Like blind Bartimaeus, he had other people saying that. But how often do we say that and say, who am I? Why would Jesus take, I just need to be quiet. Why would Jesus want anything to do with me? I'm just a nobody. You see, if, if we're going to get our vision back, if we're going to have any hope for the future, you've got to ignore those negative voices around you and inside of you. And that may mean a few things. It may mean changing how much you're hanging out with a certain group of people. It may mean turning things off, the apps, this, that, and the other. I don't know if y'all know this, but man, everything we look at today seems to be negative. Sometimes we just got to turn it off. It's hard to do, but if we can do it and ignore that, it helps. And then number three, Once we ignore everybody else, we got to listen. Number three is we ignore the negativity around us. And number three is we got to listen for Jesus' calling. We got to pay attention, which might mean that some of us, we've got to slow down and settle down a little bit in order to listen, in order to hear the words that Jesus is giving to us. We got to be quiet. Notice what happens in this verse. He's yelling and yelling and yelling for Jesus to notice him. And then this happens, verse 40. Jesus stopped and he ordered. He ordered the man be brought to him. Other people turn around and say, hey, he's calling. He's calling. Get up. Come on. Can I just, can I just say this? I believe that God's calling you also. I think we just got to listen for him. You see, calling and vision go hand in hand. And here's what I mean by that. If you want to know God's vision for your life or for this area of life, if you want to move forward, you got to be paying attention when he calls to you because he's speaking. Some of us, we're just not so good at listening. And here's the thing. I I realize I just lost half of you because when I start talking about calling and even talking about our mission in life, sometimes we we think about, you know, this is only for those people that are thinking about being missionaries or pastors. You know, like I got to go serve somewhere. If I'm getting a calling from God, then I got to go serve in the jungles of Africa or something. Those are the real people that are called from God. We put this calling from God just up high. But truth is, everyone, Everyone is called by God. We're all called to know him, to love him, to serve him, to be saved by him, to be forgiven by him, to live with him, to be in relationship with him for eternity. So I guess the real question is, is are you listening? You know, one of my favorite hymns growing up was the one, uh, Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling. Do y'all know that? Calling for you and for me. I love that one. In that hymn, 
it reminds us that he calls everyone. And when he calls, what he's trying to do is he's trying to give us instructions on what he wants for our life, that mission, that vision that he has for us. You see, what we want for him to do is we want for him to break open the heavens. Like We want for him to yell at us. Or we want him to do one of these things that my dad used to do to get my attention when I was off playing and I needed to come home. We want God to do one of these. One of those loud things that just grabs our attention, right? But that's not necessarily how God moves and how God works. We know this. We can look at stories like Elijah. And we can see that it's in the stillness and in the quietness that God speaks and he calls and he moves. And that hymn just reminds us, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling. Are you listening? And when he does call, here's the other thing you got to do. Number four, you got to ask. You got to tell God exactly what you need. This is what Bartimaeus does. Jesus calls to him and he asks him for it. And he says in verse 41, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, Lord, I want to see. I love this because it's so simple. Like, if you're having a hard time and you can't see at home, at work, or wherever that area is, right, the simple next step is just to tell Jesus what you need. And notice that when blind Bartimaeus, when he asks Jesus for what he wants, he doesn't go off on this long tirade, right? He doesn't go off on how the blindness happened or why it happened or how tough life has been. No, his simple request to Jesus is, I want to see. I want to see. That's all it took. Now, why would Jesus ask him this question? Like, doesn't Jesus already know this? Like, isn't he the son of God? Like, doesn't he already know what Bartimaeus wants? Yes. So why does he ask? I think, I think Jesus asks because it's kind of like a parent asking their child a question when they already know the answer to it, right? It's like, I already know you ate the brownie when it's not snack time, right? I already know you didn't clean your room because I saw it. I already know what you made on your test because of parent portal. Thank goodness I did not have parent portal growing up. Can I just say that? I would have never left my room, y'all. Why do you ask your kids those questions when you already know the answer to them? You, you want them to kind of own up to it, right? You see, picture this. Bartimaeus is in the middle of this crowd. And Jesus looks at them and probably with a smile on his face because he knows what he's about to do. He asks him in front of everybody, puts him on the spot, puts a spotlight on him and says, what do you want? Let me hear you say it. I think he gives Bartimaeus the, the, the moment to have courage to say in front of everybody, I want to be healed. And by saying this, what he's doing is he's declaring what he believes about Jesus. We go back to step number one. This is my hope. This is my belief, man. I'm going to make a statement of faith right here, right now in front of everybody here. And I'm going to ask you because I need, I need to see. I need to see in life. Can you do that? Here's what we can learn from this. If you want to have a better vision for this mission in life or for this area in life, tell Jesus exactly what you need. And if you want to take it a step further, tell somebody else. Tell God in advance and then say it publicly. 
Because you know why? What it does is it takes courage to proclaim your faith and tell other people what you're hoping for. And what it does is it proves your faith, right? It proves your faith that you have in Jesus. And then it gives everybody else a chance to give you support, to wrap you up and pray for it too. Imagine what went through the crowd that day when when Bartimaeus said those words out loud. I wonder if there were people there that were just anxiously leaning in, hoping for the same thing. This would be awesome. I think that you have people in your life that want to see God work and God give you a new vision in that area of your life too. This is why we have groups. This is why we have journey groups. man. So tell them, ask them. Make a public profession of it. Put your faith out there. And then step number five is that you got to receive your vision in faith. you got to receive that vision. Take that vision that Jesus gives you. This is exactly what Bartimaeus did. Look at verse 42. It says, receive your sight because your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Now let's be clear. Faith is what healed Bartimaeus. Let me talk about faith for just a minute. If you don't believe, you won't receive. Okay, if you don't believe, you can't receive. And the reason I bring this up is because God is able to do more in our life. When we move forward, expecting God to move and work in our life, right? Expecting God for a vision, expecting him to give me a mission in this area or that area. The reason I say that is because I realize that there's a lot here this morning where we say it's hard. You might be saying it's hard to push forward. It's hard to just move forward in faith and trust Jesus in this area, that area of my life. Because some of us, we don't feel like we have a great relationship with God anyway. It's like, why would he move? Why would he do that? I don't really know God that well anyway. How am I going to put my full hope and trust in him? Let Let me point this out real quick. I want you to notice something. In this story, Bartimaeus had no relationship with Jesus prior to his request. This is interesting, y'all. He was a complete stranger to Jesus. But what made him different was that he was willing to believe that Jesus could provide. So let's apply this to our own lives. Don't ever be afraid that you don't know the Lord well enough to ask him for what you need. To cry out to him in faith for your life. The relationship for Bartimaeus came after the request. And I believe that Jesus can do the same thing in your life as well. When you cry out, don't feel like, who am I? We need to humble ourselves, but at the same time, we cry out, we put our faith and hope in Jesus that he does love us, and he promises to draw near to those who draw near to him. When you make the request, believe, and then join Jesus on the road. So let's close this story out. We started with Bartimaeus on the side of the road, and now that all this has happened... Bartimaeus joins Jesus on the road, and there's nowhere else Bartimaeus would want to be than on the road with Jesus. So when it comes to your life, when it comes to those problems, that area or this area, that dark area in life that's left you without vision, right? You're blinded, you're afraid, you're confused and scared because you don't know and you can't see. How long are you going to sit on the side of the road? Are you willing to get up? Are you willing to believe That this Jesus can give you a new vision. Can you ignore all the negativity around you? Can you listen for his call? Can you tell him when he calls out to you? Can you tell him exactly what you need? And then can you move forward in faith, receiving what God has in store for you?
don't let Jesus pass you by. Get up, join him, and get a vision for what he can do. Let's pray together. Jesus, we, uh, God, we want to know you more. We truly believe that you can change us, God, that you bring the transformation that we need. That you can change us in whatever way we need it. So, God, we come to you this morning because you are our hope. God, we can't put our hope in anything else. We've been disappointed time and time again. So, God, just, just help us cry out to you. And, God, also help us just to silence the negativity in the world around us. Help us to ignore the discouraging voices around us and inside our own heads. God, help us not to worry about what other people think. Help us not concentrate so much on the fear in life that we have about this darkness that we face. But God, help us be quiet. Help us be still long enough to hear your call on our life. In fact, you know what, y'all? Let's just do that right now. Let's just be still. Let's listen. And in the quiet, just take a minute and tell God exactly what you need in life. That area of life where it's a little dark, where you can't see, where you don't know. Ask him right now for a fresh vision. Ask him for what he wants to do and how he wants to guide. Be specific. Jesus, please hear our prayers. God, help us to receive a fresh vision and faith. Help us all to regain sight in that area of our life that just seems dark and overwhelming. God, we don't want to drift anymore. We want to get off the side of the road. We want to cry out to you. We want to join you on the road and be a part of your mission. And we'll do that one step at a day, one step at a time. God, thank you for your grace, your care, and your provision. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. And amen.